Alright, what's going on ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of the Remote Closing Academy podcast, and in this episode, we're going to be talking to a sales veteran. This guy has been in sales for the past 10 years, and he just absolutely crushes it, and was at the beginning of his RCA remote closing journey, was actually really skeptical. I mean, coming from, again, a background where he went to gym sales, he did some tech sales for a while, and just being in that world, and then thinking like, oh, I can actually do this from home, and I don't have to leave, and I can make way more money three to four times what he was making before all from the comfort of his own home and actually help people change their lives so we're gonna go through a ton in this episode this was one of our first ever live streams over on youtube as well so if you're listening on the podcast app and you didn't know we had a youtube channel uh just go to youtube.com slash at remote closing academy or there'll be links down in the show notes to check that out but without further ado make sure to sit back relax and enjoy today's episode so this is first live stream here ever on the rca youtube channel and uh, the first ever live RCA podcast. So I'm extremely excited to uh, to get j- jumped in here. Of course, all of you guys that are watching, hanging out on the YouTubes. Um, again, because this is a test, I'm not really sure how we're going to utilize the chat here in the future. But if you are watching, let us know in the chat. Um, let us know you're here watching live, where you're watching from, all that kind of stuff. Um, and what we'll probably do maybe towards the end is open this up for more like Q&A. Um, as we're going through, I'm sure some questions will come up, whether you're int- you know, watching and interested about remote closing in general or if you have questions specifically um, here for our gre- uh, guest, Mr. Brian. So, um, dude, how are you? How's the day been so far? It's been a good day, man. Took a, took a few calls, had a few closes. So overall, just a solid day. Nice little Tuesday. Awesome. Yeah. And we'll definitely j- dive more into that um, here towards the end because I think a lot of people will have, you know, ex- depending on how new they are within the remote closing space, you know, they might be like, okay, how do I even jump into remote closing? Um, and some people are like, all right, I'm already a closer. Like, I want to get some more like tactical tips. And we'll definitely, um, you know, talk about that a little bit more. So let's just, you know, how we usually start off these podcasts, and I'm sure you, you know, you've seen a couple of the episodes, is yep. where were you before? Uh, let's just take it back. Like, way like even before you've been in the sales like what was maybe some of your first experiences like job experiences and then we'll 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 kind of just start there oh yeah Um, so i started in a lot of typical customer service jobs way back in the day in call centers just picking up phones answering questions um basic call center rigmarole did that through high school and college and so that was kind of my first experience really having that interaction over the phone with someone um, and there was a, an office in the office that I worked in where they did sales all through the phone. So every now and then I would walk by, I would listen to some of the stuff that they were doing, and I would kind of inquire into what it is exactly that, that was going on in there. Because that's where all the A players were. Yeah, They drove the best cars, they did the whole nine. And so I was like, I want to do what those guys are doing. But my introduction to sales was until a lot further down the line, a few years after that. But So that was my first kind of gig was a customer service background. Nice. And do you feel like the, the customer service like helped, helped you kind of like what you're, what you're doing now? Cause I feel like it's all the same. Like I, uh, I worked in a restaurant for like six years and I think like I wouldn't be able to like do what I do now in terms of like talking to people and stuff like that without that. So do you think that that played into that a lot? 100%. It built a, a massive foundation and it allowed me to, to kind of build that quickness on your feet, answering some of those questions, having that nonchalance of talking to different people day in and day out and very quickly being able to build that rapport. So I know with a lot of certainty that being able to have that background has helped me a ton in this. Nice. Okay, cool. So you you go through the, the customer service job. What was the transition into more like the 
kind of the high or not, maybe not high ticket sales, but sales. Cause you've been in, how long you've been doing sales? 10 years, you said? Yeah. 10 years right now. Cool. So what, I guess what was like some of those first sales? I'm sure you went through like a few different sales jobs. And so tell oh, us kind of about that experience. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I started in gyms. Hold on. I, I feel like there's a good number of people that I meet that kind of start in that same area. But I was really passionate about health, wellness, fitness. And I realized, I was like, well, why don't I just work in a gym? So I worked at an LA Fitness selling memberships and did that for a while. You know how it is. It's, it's, it's almost like a one call closed type of situation. A person seated in front of you, you probably never going to see them again. And so you have that opportunity to have that interaction with them. Uh, I did that for a few months and then saw that more of the money was being made on the training side. And I realized, okay, so I could sell $20 memberships or I could sell a $3,000 package. And I think of a lot of that experience as like my first intro to what a high ticket sale mm. would be. And so I switched over to that. And soon after running my own gyms and having a blast doing it, I was like, this is fun. So I'm able to sell something that I know is going to make a real difference in somebody's life. Mm-hmm. And you're able to build all these cool relationships as you're going through it. And that was my first sort of real taste into sales, closing, and just kind of building out that entire process. Yeah. So you said you you ran, you owned gyms or you were kind of like the manager or mm-hmm. what, what was that? Yep, manager. So I was, nice. ran my own little team in the gyms, started at LA, then was recruited to go to work at UFIT and ran a few other teams. And so I would move around the district and just wherever I was needed to, to buff up the numbers, that's where I would go. Sweet. Cool. And um, I guess I'm curious, and this might kind of jump into the tactical a little bit um, for anyone that's watching. Um, by the way, we see you guys in the chat watching from California, watching from uh, Michigan. Yeah. Florida as well. We got some people around the U.S. Um, so, oh. so it's kind of tactical stuff is – you know, from let's say the, the offer that you have now versus like health and wellness, a lot of times, I mean, we'll say how it is. Like it's, it's usually a lot easier to sell someone like into a business opportunity because they're like, okay, I'm going to invest in this. and I'm going to make the money back. But some, but when you're in like the gym space, it's like, you're going to invest in this and you're not necessarily going to make money back, but you're going to, you know, win in other ways. So what are uh, maybe some, some tips you would have for anyone that's maybe in that kind of like health and wellness space right now to, uh, yeah, to maybe give them some tips on, on how they can get some people over you know, across the line. Because you're going to future pace more into, into the health aspect of things, you have to tie that very deeply put the image of who they want to be in the future. And that image is going to be heavily connected if they come from a family background, if you're talking to somebody who's a parent or um, has children, anyone who really has some sort of family connection, you're going to tie very deeply into that. So if you've got a father, if you've got a mother, what's the stuff that they want to be doing in the future? Well, if they have young children, they want to run around with them. If they have older children, they want to be there for the big events, the graduations. They want to be there Mm. for the weddings. And so you have to position the opportunity of working with you and the package that you offer as something that's going to provide them with the longevity and that quality of life that they're going to be able to take on further down the line. And so then I would say that If you're in the health and wellness, selling a product that really works Mm. in health and wellness, that really gives people their lives back, I would say is probably an easier sale than even a biz op sale because they're the asset Mm. and they're there to make themselves feel better. They're in there to live a longer life, a better quality of life, more time with their family members, more time with them doing the stuff that they love to do. 
And so in that internal satisfaction of making a certain check, I say would never hit as well as positioning somebody in front of a mirror and having them experience or think of who they're going to be six months on the road if they stick with you. Mm. Yeah. Dude, the, the, one of the things that I love that you said about that, uh, just the, that whole part of it is there wasn't ever a thing that you said of like, okay, I'm doing this because I'm going to make like a paycheck at the end of it, right? It's like, how can we communicate in a way to them that it's in their best interest by positioning mm-hmm. it of like, what's, what's, what's the two, two like decisions that you have? You either continue doing what you're doing or you, you know, invest into the, into yourself, right? Which is again, like you said, the best asset that you can invest into and, uh, you know, help them change your life in those ways. So I, I love that answer. Um, okay. So you, you go through the, the gyms and you worked there. So you, you worked in that gym space for 10 years then, right? Or was there any other like, uh, no, okay. I, I worked in there for, I want to say maybe two years and then I transitioned into finance sales. And so I did finance sales for about three years, transitioned to telecom, moved into data. And so every one to two years, I would get really good at something. And I was like, all right, where do I go next for the next challenge? Yeah. Like, What's the next opportunity or what's something that seems pretty fun that I haven't had a chance to sell just yet? And so I slowly moved through several till I ended up in software right before coming into the uh, high ticket space. Mm-hmm. So you kind of jump, jumped around a lot. What, um, is it, is it mostly because, yeah, like you said, you kind of just not necessarily got bored, but it's like, all right, what can, like you kind of capped it out. And it's like, what can I do now? Or what can I do next? What's the next challenge? What's somewhere where I feel I could potentially grow and stretch myself a bit, um, in a space that I could also make a lot of financial gain. And so I would consistently look at different industries and go, okay, this seems really fun. And I've got a couple of friends who are doing really well there. Let's jump in there. Let's test it out. And so I just kept doing that back to back to back. Yeah. Yeah. I think that even just knowing that I think is good. It definitely plays into like your ability to, um, you know, from what, from what we've talked about and, you know, from some of these events, um, by the way, I, I met Brian, um, at the, uh, an event we had like our, our B2B event, STA is what it's called. Sales team accelerating met at that event. He stopped me. He's like, Hey dude, I've seen the podcast and, stuff like that. <laughs> we talked a little bit. and I was like, dude, we got to get you on. Like he was telling me a story. Um, and then I met him again two weeks later at our, uh, RCA event that we had. Um, mm-hmm. and it just, just the energy that you, you kind of bring and, and you know, the, it's just like a likable person. And I think that's a really hard person to Appreciate say. No to. So all that being said, I think like the mentality of, uh, you know, the difference between you and like someone that like might start something and just get kind of complacent and they're like, yeah, I mean, I'm making some good money. So let's just like stick with this. It's like, okay, I'm making good money, but I'm not feeling challenged. And then it's like, you're always mm-hmm. reaching that next level. So that you, did you, well, okay. How did you find like just high ticket remote closing in general, like after you're doing all the other sales stuff? It was total happenstance. So it's almost like my entire sales career came full circle. So someone that I was really cool with, name is Chris, um, years ago from the gyms, when I first started in the gyms, we used to work together um, at LA Fitness. And I see him post this thing on Facebook about remote closing, you make a ton of money, you work from wherever you want, you show up, Appointments are preset. You just got to show up and do the thing. And I was like, well, my favorite part of sales is closing. Mm. And so not having to do a lot of the outbound stuff, which I've done too often. I was like, if I can get away from that, I'm golden. And 
Chris is somebody whose opinion I trusted really heavily. Mm. And so I reached out to him and I go, Hey man, I, I know that you've got a sales funnel. I know how this goes. <laughs> yeah. Just one. Yeah, as like the, I just, as the sales I guys do. That's that's how this, we know sales. It's like, hey, I get it. I know you have a process, and then we still go through it anyway. <laughs> yeah, like I know you're gonna put me with somebody else, and he's this person. He's the partner. It's the whole nine. Like I know yeah. the rigmarole, but just man to man, one on one. Let's jump on a phone call and just just fill me in. What is this exactly? And so he did. He gave me the full scope of everything, and as I. Does that sound like something that you would want to do? Like, absolutely. Like, everything about you just told me lines up exactly with who I am. Well, let's go. And so I got placed in front of Chris. Chris placed me in front of Chris. And we sat down, had the conversation. And I knew that very day that I was not closing. <laughs> I mean, I, I already, I was one of those guys where I was like, I know how this goes. I know what he's going to say. I just came to gather the intel. And I'm going to come back. And for anybody watching this, I, sometimes people do come back. I mean, it's a real thing. They're not trying to brush you off. Um, sometimes people do just need a day or two to think it through. Um, and I think about it, isn't always an objection. Sometimes it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. And um, Chris and I had an awesome conversation. He broke everything down. He was super honest and genuine with me. And I really liked everything that he said about the program. And so I told him, let's reconnect. And I followed back up with him a week later. And that's how I got in. Nice. So it was um so it was just another kind of like high ticket coaching program, basically. It was RCA. Oh, so, oh okay. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, like <laughs> you said Chris, and I was like, Chris set you with Chris, and I was like, Yeah, obviously we have we'll have a couple of Chris. Chris is, but you didn't say specifically uh, RCA, so I was I, I guess I confused myself. So that was the story of how you found RCA. Um, so yeah. I guess I'm, I'm curious, you know, cause I think that, um, that conversation that you have with yourself of like, I need to think about it. And I'm like the same way. It's like, I'm, I'm a sales guy and, but I still like my objection, like always is like, I kind of need to think about it. Um, but it's like, it's mm-hmm. a real, like I need to think about it. Right. It's not like, Oh, yeah. let me like say that so I can get you off the phone and I'm just going to block you on all the platforms, you know? Um, so, okay. That, that makes sense. So all that being said, being that kind of person that's like, I need to think about it. What were like the things that you like actually thought about in that like thinking, right? Like c- kind of taking that time to um, decide if it's something that you wanted to do. Yeah. First I sat down, I was like, does the finance, the financial commitment make sense into the potential return? And so I really sat down and I looked at the numbers and I go, if the investment into this program gives me the returns the people are saying on these videos, then it's a hundred percent worth it. Mm. 100% worth it. And so part of it sitting down is, is kind of looking at, can I also commit to the time necessary? Can I, in my schedule commit to X amount of time to be exceptional at this, mm. to show up, to put in the time, to do the mock calls, to read the material, to study everything, to use a one-on-one coaching. Um, shout out to Matt Gross, who was my coach through the whole thing. Um, and Co- Corey as well, you take who first started me out. Mm-hmm. Um, and am I going to be able to to genuinely commit 100% and be exceptional? And so that was those were the questions that I had to ask myself because I didn't want to jump into something that I wasn't going to be the absolute best version of myself possible. And once I kind of had agreed that this made sense, and 
even conferred with a few people who I really cared about, who I kind of bounced the idea off of. Nice. Like, okay, this is this is for me. And so I remember calling Chris back and be like, hey, man, let's get it rolling. Mm. Sweet. I, I love that. And I think, um, you know, the, just going through that whole process and, and kind of having other people to throw it off of, it's, it's not so you have to be there by yourself and make that decision. So it's like it just kind of it, it validates it a little bit more, um, which is mm-hmm. always super helpful. So, okay, so you come into the program. Um, what happened next? Like, I guess just maybe a, a condensed version of like from, yeah, oh yeah, just, just answer that and we'll, we'll just, we'll go from there. I just jumped in head first. I love the training. I've done a lot of sales training. I mean, I've invested into joining Stupar Academy. I did the Grand Cardone back in the day. I built out an entire playbook um, based off of Cardone's information years ago. And so Sandler, all sorts of programs. And I started going through some of the videos and some of the material. And I was like, this is dope. Like, this is so much more in depth than any of the stuff that I've used in the past. This is a completely new level of sales mm-hmm. training. And I just couldn't what, get what, enough of it. So way? I started. In what way do you feel? Like, do you have like specific examples? Absolutely. 100%. From the discovery itself, just the way that you establish the discovery, it's a significantly more consultative approach. And there's a real sort of structure to the way that you ask the questions. And so every time that you ask a question, it builds on the question that's coming right after. And so it gives you a very easy flow to transition through as you're having these back and forths with the person that you're talking to. And it doesn't feel like it's a very rigorous sort of skeleton of a script that I'm used to, to going through. Yeah. And so it provides you just enough that you can still feel like you're a person having a conversation, but gives you more than enough detail and information where you have a very deep understanding of the prospect and the person that you're speaking to, and you can genuinely find out, can I help them or not? And then we get into the objection handling and that's the objection handling is just fantastic from the way that you positioned everything, have them bought back into the process and then really taking the opportunity to not make it a me against you, but more of a us together facing off against this problem that we need to solve to bring you the solution that you need. Mm-hmm. And that setup, which so different to what I'm used to. Yeah. So, so different. Yeah, so the what you're used to, uh, I'm assuming, is kind of just like the very like Grant Cardone kind of like hard sales, yes. like stuff like that. One hundred percent. Like, oh, you got to think about it. What is there to think about? Yeah. <laughs> just, just like <laughs> just digging smacking them with the rebuttals. <laughs> well, it, it's it, it's I, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that uh, because you know there was actually a video that I was watching earlier of someone that did this like review of the remote closing academy but like i'm gonna make a video about it but like they'd never gone through the remote closing academy they also had like something else that they're trying to sell and like bashing rca because of it so it's like one of the th- one of the points they said is like you don't want to become a salesperson because they're gross and scammy and like i get where that mindset comes from we talk about it on the podcast all the time of, of like course. you know people having that connotation of like the used car salesman or you know the the person at the kiosk that's trying to like put lotion on your face like in the middle and like grab you from from the middle um so what, like, what would you say to someone that maybe does have kind of that mindset around, around sales? They just like think, you know, I, I don't want to do that because I don't want to be like a salesperson. That's a, that's an interesting point because uh, it's a question that I get, or it's, it's almost a conversation that I have with a lot of people when they first find out that I'm in sales and made a full career of sales. And I always say this, if you line up with the right product, process or team, 
and it's something that you genuinely believe in and you find that that product or process provides a solution that really improves people's lives, that's the easiest way to immediately dispel that feeling. Mm. Immediately. Because all of a sudden, every time you have a conversation with someone, you're sitting there talking to someone in regards to something that changed sometimes your own life for the better. And so if you get into sales and you're looking at sales, see if you can get into sales for something that you can't stop talking about. Like, is there a product that you love? Is there something that you harp on? Is there a trainer that you work with? Like, is there something or someone that you are so constantly enthused about that you go out of your way to tell perfect strangers because you know that it's going to bring value to them? Mm-hmm. If you line yourself up with that product as your first sales op, you're going to find that the feelings of scamminess, the feelings of that, I, I don't feel good about what I'm doing, are immediately out of the window because you know that you're offering something that's real. Yeah. I think that's the easiest way to get through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I, I'm like, I'm the same way of, um, you know, whenever I'm creating these podcasts or whatever, like sometimes I'll be, it's, it's not really related, but kind of, you know, sometimes I'll like, today is a great example, actually. Um, I had to record a couple, like schedule out some YouTube videos and, uh, you know, part of me, I woke up and I wasn't feeling that great. And I was like, oh, I don't want to make these videos. But then I thought about it and it was like me not making these videos is being like super selfish because I know me creating a video is a really good, like it's, there's a really good chance it's going to get in the hands of someone that like doesn't like their job or they're not getting paid what they're worth or mm-hmm. whatever. So it's like when you can take, when you can take the feeling of like selfishness out of it and you just put it yep. up, okay, what is going to be in the other person's best interest? That's when you can, number one, feel good about yourself. And number two, like you said, know that you're actually making a difference. That's it. In, in other people's lives 100 percent. so what was the i guess so from there so you come through the the program um you go you start going through and obviously the title of this is like from from i put zero to you know to uh to full-time remote closer in 90 days but i mean in the high ticket space technically that's what it was so what was that that process from from day one to to day 90 so I sat down with my coaches and I told them very seriously, I was like, I need to be in and out of here as fast as humanly possible. Yeah. I was like, I just, I knew coming in that I had a specific goal and I had also set a time for myself. Mm. So I had a, a very specific date to the number of July 21st of 2022, when I needed to be in a full, full time high ticket offer working as a closer uh, because it lined up with a few other things that I had set up for myself at that timeline. So I sat down with my coach and I was like, what do I need to do to get to this goal as fast as possible and just reverse engineer it and then just committed to that. And so I went through the course as quickly as I could realizing that the initial process of watching the videos of learning the material, the way that you're going to get really, really good at this is the mock calls. Mm. That's going to be your bread and butter. Going through it, reading everything through, isn't going to stick as well as when you're finally asking people these questions and going through the script. So for someone that might not know, because mock call is kind of like a niche language within you know, the RCA, so explain what a mock call is for someone that doesn't know. So mock call is a conversation that you're going to have with somebody else who's in the program where both of you are going to take turns walking through this specific script that you're working on. So you've got a setter script and you've got a closer script. And so it'll almost be like a 
fake or play on a call. And so there'll be your prospect and you'll have the opportunity to operate as a closer or the setter and go through that entire conversation. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that offered so, a little yeah, bit. Of no, hundred percent. So basically, yeah, a role play, you go through, you have the exactly. conversation with them and um, okay, sorry, I cut you off a little bit. So you, you no, go through you the mock calls, you start doing those and then what happened? And so once I'd reached a level of proficiency, I think I had about 30 mock calls. I realized, all right, I'd been approved by my coach. Also, show up every possible day that you can to your call with your coaches and bring in a mock call. The easiest way to get really good at this really quickly is to sit down and accept whatever critique is going to get thrown your way because that's what's going to help you improve very fast. Don't try to hide from that. Don't try to run away from that. That's part of sales. It's part of life. Like Being given that constructive criticism is what's going to help you improve. So every time I would show up and I had an opportunity to talk to my coaches, I would bring in a call. Hey, can you review X, Y, and Z? What do you think I did great? What do you think I could have fine-tuned? Over and over and over again. And so really quickly, I got that out of the way. I got my approval, went right into the pipeline. But I had my interview with the pipeline, and they were doing great. They were sending some offers, but I'm like, man, again, I had a timeline. I was like, yeah. I need to get this done even faster. I was, like, I, I was like, I get it. I know. And they're giving me offers, and I've sat down in one or two of the offers. And I'm having conversations. I was like, this isn't fast enough. So how do I speed this up? I know the script. I know what I can do. I know how to record the videos so that I can position myself well. Well, I went to the self-sourcing category. I was like, all right. I went through the program. I was like, here it is. Self-source. Find your own opportunities. Because that's, I think, the beauty of high-ticket closing is the level of freedom that you get from it. Is that you develop a certain skill set that you can take absolutely anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so now... Whether you stay in an offer or you shift to an offer, you know that what you're relying upon is your own skill set. So it gives you that freedom. You control your destiny. And I was like, let me take a little bit more control. So I just went to the section on self-sourcing and I taught myself through the videos, how do I find my opportunities? And so self-sourcing, because I feel like that's niche to uh, the conversation or jargon, is just going through and finding your own opportunities, not, not relying on the pipeline to do it for you, just going out and doing it yourself. And so that's what I did. I just sped up the process and yeah. was looking through a few groups, found an offer that I really liked and, and linked up with them. And so I've been working there with uh, Max Hornstein's uh, Arbitrage Accelerator program ever since. And we've been going on six months now. Love it, man. Yeah, so uh, also, so uh, Brian broke down the, the uh, self-sourcing. So the pipeline, we've talked about it on the podcast before, but the pipeline, if you guys are listening, essentially what happens when you work uh, with us at RCA um, we have two two legs of our business. We have our B2B division where we teach uh, you know high ticket sales teams that are already established business established businesses, things like that. And we help them get better at sales. And a part of that offer is we place them with salespeople. So they're actively coming to us for salespeople. So we go to RCA where we have this pool of people that are literally learning the sales side. So it's kind of like this this really synergistic offer. And um, so that's what Brian was talking about is he went through the pipeline. Um, and I will say, you know, the, the process, I mean, you doing it yourself and just sending out messages, obviously it's going to be a lot faster. Um, faster. And, and of course you just have more, more flexibility behind, you know, I'm going to bust out 50 messages and then you, you, you operate yep. from this place of uh, abundance, right? It's like you send out 50 messages or a hundred messages and you get 10 offers back and it's like, Oh, 
I can like choose. Who do I want? I can choose and see, okay, are the, how many calls that are putting on my calendar? How much, you know, what is the pri uh, you know, offer price point on this one? You know, do they have a back end? Do they have a front end? Do I have to, you know, is it a hybrid, right? There's so many different things that you can, uh, I, I just went down a rabbit hole of like other terms that I have to, <laughs> I have to break down now too. So, um, okay. So you, you get placed and we'll, I, I do want to talk about that and kind of experience within that offer, but you know, still sticking on, on the RCA side. Um, what were, I guess, some of your favorite, if you can maybe, if you can boil it down to like one or two of your favorite parts about RCA? I love the mock calls, man. I really, really do love the mock calls. And the reason that I love the mock calls is if you mock call with a whole bunch of strangers all the time, they don't have to create different personas to operate as your prospect. Many times, if you're working with someone who's brand new, they can just be themselves. And since you're operating out of RCA, a lot of what the offer that you're going to pitch during that role play is going to be RCA because it's all you know. Yeah. So if you do it right and the person's open to it, you have some super real and genuine conversations. And I feel like in the midst of those conversations, you're able to build these great friendships, which I still have now, people that I still speak to from the program. And it's all because you had those moments where you had a chance to be real of how the program feels, why you're here, what are your goals? Like ultimately, what is it that you're doing all of this for? Yeah. And so, I mean, that would have to be my absolute favorite part of it all was just being able to connect one-on-one -on -one with so many other people through the mock calls. And the second part is just watching people's success. Man, it's fun to find success yourself, but it's so much cooler to just see a lot of your friends being able to get placed in like different offers and like I got one here, somebody's doing this, somebody's doing that. And so being able to like powwow together and think tank everyone from like different offers, like, yo, what's working for you? What's not working for you? Yeah. That's just how those relationships continue to trail on once you get to the next level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. I think that's like, if I, if we go back to any episode for like the, I mean, this is I think 18 at this point, but every, uh, every single episode is like community mock calls like and i mean it, it just showed at the rca event like it was I, I can't even put into words like how transformative it was to be able to be in a room with all of those people right it's all these people that we do mock mm -hmm. calls with or that you see on zoom or in school that are posting these wins and it's like it's it's an infectious like you, you can't you can't explain it you can't put words in yep. the feeling that it was there um so yeah dude that's uh, yeah like i said i think that's a, a huge thing that a lot of people bring up um Okay, so outside of that, you go past the, um, you know, you, you get placed with Max. What happens after that? Like, is it was it a, a, a quick kind of like get in there, you start closing deals? Was there any like kind of struggles you went through? Like just, maybe just a, a, an overview of that. Um, it happened kind of quickly, man. I, I joined, took about a week of training. Um, since I came in with a little bit of closing experience, it was just about fine tuning it specifically for the process that is high ticket closing. And right off bat, I was just ripping deals. Um, I was somebody who I it just kind deals. of felt really much as yeah, <laughs> like just it. like ripping deals. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's because I just remember the conversations that I have with the guys, and they constantly drop the word ripping deals. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it just it it worked really well. I I love the offer. I saw a lot of the success that the students were having, so I became really passionate really quickly about it. And once that happened, it was I was kind of in my zone. Of course, you've got your ups, you've got your downs. That's inevitable. Uh, but overall, we just kind of took off. And I've been having a ton of fun ever since. And so stuff has been really good. I mean, I mean, 
this point, I said I've been there about six months and still doing great and having a bunch of fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, just so people know too, like six months in a high ticket offer, like in, in this space is, is really good. I think the, the turnover, even within like our company is, I mean, I'm not saying we, you know, we, we turn over a ton of people, but like just in general, like the, the culture of the company that you go into, if they're like super high performing, which I know, you know, Max is and, and Cole and, and Max are, are pretty close and good friends, business partners, stuff like that. And, uh, so to be in that offer, not only for you to continue to be happy and like be performing, but also like doing it at a point where like they're keeping you on, like is, is good. <laughs> like it's, a, it's, and it's a yeah. tough thing to do sometimes too. So what, what, like, what would you say to someone like, cause a, a good portion of people that, you know, come into RCA or, or thinking about getting into high ticket sales, uh, I'm sure they really love kind of like, you know, what are some things that they should look out for maybe when they're like first getting placed, like things like maybe when it comes to like culture or showing up or just like, I don't know if that's too vague of a question, but just things that people should look out for when they first get placed into an offer. That's a good question. And I think it starts before you even get placed. And so I went through multiple different interviews because like you said, since I was self-sourcing, I had the opportunity of my pick of the letter. And so I got an opportunity to really sit down with a, a ton of different people and so the first is the very basic questions of what is my calendar going to look like? How many calls were the closing percentages? How many people? And, and also just don't be afraid to ask about the money because at the end of the day, the reason that we do this is the money. Mm. And so ask, be very clear. These are the goals that I need to meet financially for this to make sense for me. Is it something that can be achieved at the company that you're at? And if so, how many are achieving it? Like, what are the, the steps necessary for me to be one of your top performers? Yeah. And so get a very delineated list of what that looks like so that you have a good concept of an idea of how it is that they're going to carry themselves. Mm. Because even asking about top performers in their day-to-day -day will show you, depending on who you speak to, how well they know their people and how in tune they're with their sales team. And you want a, an offer owner that's in tune with their sales team. You don't want someone who's so far up that they can't even tell you where my top guys do X, Y, and Z every day because yeah. they're not in the trenches. You want someone in the trenches. Mm -hmm. And so I think that all you can, you can kind of dig out in those initial interviews. And don't be afraid to ask those questions. Like when you get in the interview, they're interviewing you as much as you're interviewing them. Yeah. It's a back and forth vetting process. And so ask what you feel like needs to be asked to give you hundred percent confidence. When you step in there, you've done all your due diligence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a huge thing. I actually uh, made a video a couple of weeks ago talking about like, you know, the four things you need to know before like, you know, jumping into an offer. And that was a really big thing. I mean, you, you literally took the words out of my mouth of like, it's, it's an interview for them as much as it is as it is for you. Right. Like I think, you know, we're a lot of times we're conditioned you know, in, in a lot of like other jobs where it's like, I'm the worker and I, I'm going to get paid $15 or you know, $13 an hour, $15 an hour. And I have to take that. Right. But in, in this, in this world, it's like, there's so much money changing hands that like in order for that business owner to really see success, they need people like that. Right. They need people that are going yep. to step up that have that backbone that have the ability to ask those hard questions, because guess what? You're going to have to ha ask the hard questions in the sales calls, right? So if you, you can't even ask the person that you're working with, right? That's, that's basically, you know, your business partner at that point. You got to like, you got to do that before you can ask for someone's credit card. You know, if you can't, if you're not willing 100%. to ask from the, from the business owner, it's, it's going to be hard for, you know, down the line. So, um, 
That's a good point. So, okay. So within the offer, um, and we don't have to talk about like specific numbers, but like, I'm assuming you're doing better than, uh, <laughs> than what you were doing <laughs> other, other places. We can, if you're comfortable with numbers, we can talk about numbers, like maybe averages, you know, per month of calls taken and commissions, things like that. Um, so on average, I've got about seven calls a day. So, which is on the calendar. You're looking at a good percentage showing of, of anywhere from 50 to 70. I mean, usually it's about 60 to 70% show rates. Um, those are the really, really good offers. And this is just across the board. This is kind of what you want to see on your end when you step into an offer. If you've got about a 60 to 65% show rate, you know you're what you're going to be talking to at least 70 to 80, especially with seven calls a day, Monday through Fridays. And so that's what my calendar looks like. I average at least three to four conversations a day. And commission, we've hit into the five figures. So thankfully, it's uh, it's been doing really, really well for me, man. I close, I want to sign to... Uh, wants to twenty six to thirty percent. Nice. And so, still tons to do, still tons to get better on. Um, I think the biggest thing is just never becoming complacent, and mm-hmm. so consistently work on your craft. You had a great month, awesome. What can you do to make sure that the next month is even better? Mm-hmm. And so, just consistently having that. What can I improve? Am I going over my calls? Am I doing all the right stuff? Um, but that's pretty much the day to day. But just show up, geared up, regulate your state, and just get ready to get after it day in and day out. Yeah. What, um, I guess, how, so on average, I mean, you, if you're talking about that and like 50 to 70% show rate, so I guess on average, how much do you feel like you're like physically on calls every day? Like, like time frame? I'd say about four hours plus. Okay. So four, three like four, four hours plus. Oh, three to four, like on average? Three to four hours, yeah, on average. Nice, and it's a, and and guys, this is what I want you to to just really listen into, and you know, because obviously, like the the money aspect is is obviously a, a big talking point for people. But keep in mind, like Brian's doing this from home, right? He's like he's able to take the calls if he wants to do, you know, working three hours a day from home, doesn't have to commute, doing you know, let's say five figures a month, um, and doesn't have to work, you know, eight, nine, ten hour days at working at some warehouse or whatever it is, like any any other job out there. So it's like it's it's not only the 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 money, but just the freedom that that it provides with um you know with it. So what what would you say maybe are outside of those things that I just mentioned, like um, for someone that's maybe thinking about remote closing or you know they they have remote closing on their mind, but they're like oh like maybe there's this drop shipping thing or Amazon FBA or like other like business models we'll say um, to jump into. Just like a difference. Well, in it's. I think when you look at this, the easiest way to really look at what you're getting into with remote closing is the idea of, okay, so you've got drop shipping, you've got Amazon FBA, and all of this is going to require a continued investment into products that aren't even you. Meanwhile, if you learn how to close and you learn how to build a sales funnel and you learn how to properly follow up and you develop all the skills necessary that are going to make you a really successful closer, you can use these skills to open up a multitude of businesses. Do mm-hmm. anything that you want. It's just the amount of avenues that this skill set specifically opens up for you are incredibly um, vast. And so you have this confidence as well in the fact that you've got a skill set that's going to pay you well no matter what. Mm. And so no matter where you go, no matter what you do, I said this to an old friend of mine years ago and to my little brother as well. I was like, the reason I'm in sales is because I know that no matter if the market is good, the economy is good, the economy is bad, 
products are going to have to be sold. Mm. <laughs> it just is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> the best products in the world still have salespeople. And so drop shipping may not work in certain markets. I know there's tons of real estate opportunities that don't work because right now the real estate market is nuts. Yeah. But sales is still sales. And so you have a confidence that you've got a skill set that you're going to be able to take with you anywhere you go. It makes you an invaluable asset to anyone who has a product, a business, an a venture, an idea, a concept. Like you're the bloodline of any business or the lifeblood of any business. Mm -hmm. And so you can't, you can't beat that. You simply can't beat that. Yeah. For those of you that, that were not listening, like last like two minutes, just rewind it, listen back to that over again. Like that was, that was, <laughs> that was amazing. And like, just to, to touch on that, like, you know, there's a reason we call uh, you know, a lot of our marketing with, with RCA, like we call it like the one high value recession proof skill. Right. Because you're right. It's like, it's with, um, and you know, I say this in the most, like, I don't, I, I don't want this to come off like, well, oh, I'm better than anybody, but like over the last three years, since I've been in like the remote closing world, like high ticket sales and stuff, like I honestly haven't like I've almost forgot there was like other shit happening in the world, like the recession and COVID. <laughs> and like, that. But it's like it doesn't take a hit. Like we, you know, when we look at sales from this month and last month, beginning and you know, going back, you know, once I you know first partnered with Cole back in twenty twenty one, um, it's like we're just growing. Like there's no there's no stopping because, like you said, there's like always going to be like if you learn sales, you are always going to have a job. Something is always going to be sold. Yep. It doesn't matter what it is. And in this economy, right, if you're if you're a remote closer, it's like you don't have to worry about really any of the other stuff that comes with traditional <laughs> traditional stuff, you know? Um, there's like five other things that you said in there that I wanted to to hit on that I just completely like blocked. <laughs> or not blocked, but you know, it's like it's it's all still in my head. Um, but okay, so so if we're talking more like tactical of, you know, what, you know, if someone is wanting to get into remote sales or maybe they're already like, let's say they're getting placed or they're looking for different offers. Um, what would you look into you, even when you were looking for offers, what were some of the things that you looked into of like, okay, let me check these things off the box before I jump in with this company. Absolutely. So earning potential always, I needed to know what was the cap on your top guys and just overall. What are the best guys doing? What are the worst guys doing? I want the full barometer of everything. Yeah. Next, I needed to know the numbers. What are the amount of appointments that I should be expecting a day? What are the show rate percentages? And what are the close percentages? And then when you ask the close percentages, and they're going to give you their best guys, and they're going to give you the worst guys, make sure that you get both. Go, what makes the difference between a top performer and an average performer? What's a top closer and an average closer doing? And so in there, get a good idea of what it is that makes that difference so that you can go, okay, this is stuff that I can do, this is stuff that I can't do. And have a real genuine understanding of what is the stuff that you're going to have to work on yourself mm. to be the best of the best. And so this also is like a checklist that they provide you that you can introspectively take and go, I have some of this stuff down. I have some of the stuff that I really need to work on a little bit more. And so, and also when you're looking at the options, stay within stuff that you like, or at least have a basic understanding of. If you don't like something or if you don't really understand something, you can have a really hard time selling it, yeah. like a very hard time selling it. And not every offer is for you, no matter what the money may look like, if it's not something you're passionate about or really know, I mean, it's just not going to gonna have a really hard time adapting and adjusting to it. And you're doing yourself a disservice. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I mean, that's I, what I would say. Yeah, I agree. It's like it, if you really do that, um, it's all about just under, like understanding what what the offer is, like the the opportunity that you're mm-hmm. taking to, and and doing. Yeah, so you don't do yourself a disservice, like really understanding, like okay, this is this is the full thing laid out. So, I guess not last question because we uh, I, I looked at the chat and we have like a ton of questions from other people, but I, I'm curious. One last thing, like just overall, like other wins that you've seen since like jumping into RCA, since you know jumping into that offer, um, you know, not necessarily monetary, just like what are some of the things that you've kind of taken from from the entire experience in you know that that you think would that have impacted you a lot. Um, one I would say is the network that you build. You realize that the high ticket space is such a small community as a whole. And so once you're in the high ticket space, you're, you're part of this like very, I would say almost like small community of people who yeah. work these, this totally niche thing and live these lives that are just sometimes when I yeah. explain to some of my <laughs> friends, like, yeah, no, I just pick up and kind of like bounce somewhere. Or I just like find offers or I link up with people and I'm just like partnered in multiple businesses and I can do all this different stuff and the, the versatility of it all. It's weird. Yeah. They think it's weird. I think it's weird <laughs> still. Like I only got Dude, it's here. so funny. Like at the, um, on that point at the STA event, and this happens like every time it's like, I'll go to the STA event and then like you walk around in this room of like all these high ticket business owners and it's like, I've seen that guy in an ad and that guy in an ad and that guy in an ad. I see his ad all the time. It's like, you know, when you're in a room with like Johnny Robinson and Spencer Vaughn and Eli Wilde and Sam Ovens and, you know, all these people. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. Like I can't even, uh, you know, point them all out. But it's, it's just super funny. It's like you, you see that person and it's like, I, yeah, I've, I've seen that person on YouTube and, uh, you know, stuff like that. It's such a funny experience. And you, you strike up not just conversations, but like friendships. Yeah. And all of a sudden you find yourself hanging out with these very people that at one point were just sliding through as an ad on YouTube, which yeah. makes it so funny. And I think the next big thing is if you line up with an offer that you're really passionate about and you really believe in is going to be the wins of the students. The student wins feel so good. Mm. Like they really, they really, really do. Like when you have students who, you know, even at the beginning were a little bit unsure about, the whole thing and you knew that this was the right thing for them Mm -hmm. and they finally got in and you like in your heart of hearts you know with a hundred percent certainty like this person once they just get in and commit to this they're going to crush it and watching them text you back and be like hey thank you so much for that look at what i just did i just did this like that right there Mm. if i could bottle that up that feeling and sell it i'd be a billionaire yeah. nothing beats that exactly like, nothing beats that yeah man i i agree it's like you know i'll have i mean great like the best example is brian like he found me at one of the events <laughs> or not found me but like we were walking through and he was like hey like i've watched a podcast and stuff and like just you saying like you saw the podcast and that was like a little bit of like the reason that you jumped into rca or like it kind of inspired you some of the the episodes you watched like that's the that's basically the same thing i'm like holy crap like if i just have interviews like this and People are, you know, there's, I don't know, 20 people watching this right now. And it's like one of those people might jump into RCA mm-hmm. and like you, you even have a little part in that now. You can say, oh yeah, I was on the podcast <laughs> and they, you know, they jumped in because of, because of me. <laughs> um, but yeah, dude, I agree. I think the student wins. Like that's, that's definitely what, what keeps me like gets me up every day. I'm like, all right, I got to mm-hmm. bounce out some videos, get on some calls, stuff like that. Um, all right guys. So let's jump into 
some uh, some questions from the audience we have in here. A couple good ones. Um, so the first one, so uh, Roar Burgess, this is a good one. So for someone with zero sales experience, what kind of time frame do you think is average for someone to get into, uh, to become an elite closer? That's a good question. So it really depends on what you mean by the word elite. Because I think an elite closer is somebody who's going to continue to strive and go better day in and day out. But I think to develop the level of proficiency that's going to allow you to position yourself in a business where you're going to be an asset and start to make the money that you really want to make, I would give yourself about four to six months of really working, of really trying, of really putting in the time. And a lot of that is also going to be dictated with how much time are you willing to put into this? I mean, are you someone who's going to be putting a minimum of an hour to two hours every night? Then you can do it in three. Are you someone who's a little, a little bit more limited on the schedule and can only put 30 to 45? Maybe you got to push four or five, maybe six hours out. But I think in that four to six month, you should be able to become proficient enough at closing, even with no background whatsoever, where you can become an asset to a company. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. One one last thing that I'll add to that as well is like, it's it, it really just, it, it, I mean, basically what you said, it, it just all depends on, um, I think the most important part is like setting the right expectations. So mm -hmm. I think if we look at, you know, if you look at Brian and look at some of his successes, you almost don't want to like compare the two because it's comparing like apples to oranges, right? It's like Brian has 10 years of sales experience. So that obviously has helped him had like previous experiences helped him out a ton um, in order to do that. All that being said, you guys can check out some of like the recent episodes. We have 18 at this point. Um, there's a good amount of people, actually, I'm sure you even talked to and met at the event that like literally had no sales experience and like they come in in like 60 days. They're like, all right, I'm placing an offer. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's I think it's all all based on expectations. Um, okay, Allison Sharp said uh, asked, I have my first mock calls tomorrow, and I'm curious how you structure them. Um, like, do you act like you're trying to close them on the R? Uh, them on RCA or do you pick different niches like pretend you're in fitness or a different offer? That's awesome question on that. I, since I was in RCA, I would usually do RCA, but I also come from a fitness background. So with my time in gyms, I'm very familiar with the way that a lot of the training packages are structured. So sometimes just to, to kind of change the flavor of the conversation, I would switch over and do the fitness background. But if you're in RCA and this is kind of your first real experience with any sort of offer that's similar to this, I would say just focus on using RCA. You know it inside and out. You're a student. You've been through it. You know how the whole funnel is set up. And it's just going to make the conversation more smooth for you. Because remember that the whole point of the mock call isn't to, to close them on, on an offer. It's just to make sure that you have the opportunity to practice that script and really become very good at it. And so you want to go with something that you know, and RCA is already what you know. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Because I was um, a couple of months ago, I was doing some like role like role play, um, just to jump on with mock, mock calls, keep myself sharp. And uh, I noticed like a lot of people that are in like the mock call hours were um, yeah was like doing the RCA stuff. Um, and I think just following this following the script, if you haven't already done it, or you know once you after you do that, maybe you know 15, 20 times, just get like the structure down. I think what someone can mm -hmm. do is then like, okay, if they're passionate about fitness or passionate about finance or passionate about whatever, like they know that the, where that offer is going to be, maybe try to like change some of the verbiage a little bit so that they have like, they have that knowledge and they try it a couple of times. And then when they do, you know, they go into like the actual interview and they do, um, you know, the mock call with the business owner, they kind of have like a little bit to, um, you know, to play with in terms of like the, the familiarity with like that type of offer, offer and the verbiage and stuff yep. like that. Um, 
There was one other on here. See if I can find it. Um, oh, so uh, Chloe asked, what is the overall call process like? So I think I interpret this as like, so let's say like, what does the process look like for you to get calls on your calendar? Are you getting them booked on your calendar? And then like, what does that process look like from appointment on your calendar into a closed deal? Okay. So I have setters and they pretty much fill up my whole calendar 24 hours to 48 hours prior. So by the time I show up, a lot of my appointments have already been vetted by a setter. They've sent out the outreach, confirmed, qualified them. So really all I do is show up to a full calendar at the times that I'm supposed to be there and just immediately start taking those calls. Now to get a little more granular in there, what does it look like when I'm in the call? Well, it's the very same process that, that everybody kind of builds up. You go through your discovery, get a good understanding of where this person is at today, get a good feel for where they're trying to go from their transition into your pre-pitch pitch and then basic close. And it's all done in one call. Now, not every call is a one call close. Um, a lot of this is also going to contend with the specific offer that you have, but very rarely do you need to go into a second call. Just show up, right time, close the deal, get them all plugged in, hand them your personal cell phone number so they know that they can always count on you and then they can text you those wins later on. Yes, sir. Do you, uh, just my own personal question, do you keep um, just all, like everyone like just on your on your personal phone? I started at first and I realized it's not sustainable. It just gets too much. Um, <laughs> when you're swinging deals I, like you are, you can't keep track of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, I started finding myself like, I was like, did I respond to my friend or was that a student? And at one point I was like, I don't know. And I remember I was sending a, a message to a friend. You know how it is. You talk to your boys yeah. a certain way. And I went to send a text message to my boy and I had that one panic moment in my heart. I was like, I just said that to a student on the program. Yeah. I was like, oh, thank God. No, I bought a second phone. I was like, I'm not doing this. Oh, I shoot. bought a second phone for students. It's just better to keep everything. There you separate. go. The insider hacks of uh, of a closer. you got to get the two phones once you once you have too many people gotcha. to, to keep it track of. And that, I mean, that's obviously a good problem to have, right? If you have uh, so many people through that you can't, uh, you know, not that you can't keep track of it, but it's just you want to make sure that it is separated. So, you know, no communication yep. is, is mixed up. Um, you know, you're doing pretty good when you're doing that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So I think that's all the main questions on here. So I guess we'll, we'll kind of end it on this. So what I'm going to do, um, and I, I try to do this every time. So I want you, while I do the outro really quick, think of like one or two like gold nuggets or pieces of, of like advice you would give to someone that is looking to jump into, you know, remote closing in general, not necessarily RCA, just in general, looking to jump into it. Um, think about that. And then I'll, I'll kind of do an outro here. So for those, those of you guys that are watching, um, I can't even see how many people are still on here. Long, kind of a longer episode, but uh, for those of you that are uh, come to this point and you're like, okay, I don't know about this remote closing thing, but um, you know, Brian seems pretty cool. And uh, he seems like he knows what he's talking about. It looks like he likes what he's doing. Um, and you just want to learn more about just the remote closing space in general. Um, down and I'll actually post it. I think I can post it in the uh, the live chat for those of you that are hanging out in here as well. Um, I'll just post it a couple times. Um, go ahead and click that. Um, open it up in a new in a new window. Um, and what it's going to be is just a full on breakdown uh, by my uh, business partner. His name's Cole Gordon, um, and he just breaks down his in, just his story about how he jumped into remote closing, how he kind of founded the skill about back in twenty or now twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. Um, and he was in his first year was able to make over five hundred thousand in commissions um, with a couple of the offers that he was on. 
and uh, just his story and how you can what like overall what remote closing is how you can get started with it and uh, yeah kind of just breaks down the whole process so um go check that out if you're on the replay or yeah if you're on the replay it'll be down in the description if you're listening on the podcast it'll be uh down in the show notes as well so brian hopefully i gave you enough time uh what you got and i think this is going to be something that i i took when i first got started and it's something that i'm still working on day in and day out but i think one of the best things that you can do when you jump into the space is just be kind to yourself. Not every day is going to be perfect. Some days you're going to perform great. Some months you're going to perform great. Some months you're not going to do that great. Mm -hmm. And so the key thing is just learn the high shouldn't be too high. The low shouldn't be too low. And just because you had a bad day or two, doesn't mean you forgot how to do this. You still got it. Just be kind to yourself. Love it, man. Yeah, there's uh, I th that just brings me back to it's funny when I had my my own agency, my own marketing agency, um, or yeah, marketing agency. It was uh, not to go on a long tangent, but I was working with solar companies, and I took like two weeks off of that to get a job at a solar company to see what it was actually like. And I'll never forget, I had to go out and like knock doors, and the uh, the manager there, well, like I literally every single day, they're like, you can't, you can have a bad day, you can have a bad week, but you can't have a bad month. And it's like, if you're constantly <laughs> working on, you know, like you said, just being kind to yourself and, you know, setting the right expectations and, um, you know, constantly just trying to be a better person, like everything will fall after that, as long as you're, you're just focusing on that first thing. So, um, dude, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for, uh, for helping us out with this first one. Like I said, like we usually only do like 40 minute episodes. We're basically at an hour. So I think just this conversation flowed really well. And I, I appreciate you jumping on for, for the hour. Um, uh, for those of you that are in here, I, we're getting a, a ton of good feedback. People are saying, love this. Um, you know, when's the next live and stuff. So if you guys enjoy this live format, um, we'll probably do the same thing, same time, same place next week. Uh, just stay updated. If you're not already subscribed to the channel, make sure you subscribe um, so that you can, you know, stay updated when we do that stuff. And uh, we'll, we'll probably end up doing that. So click the link down below, description, live chat, wherever it is, wherever you guys can see it. Um, and thanks for hanging out. We'll see you guys in the next one. Talk soon and peace.